welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. Thank you, band. That was flipping awesome worship this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm just sitting there going, this is great. I just love to be in the presence of God, don't you? Okay, before I make a start, can I tell you one of the things I did? Gordon and I went down to London to the Hillsongs Conference. Now, on our way down, we had to fill up our car with petrol. The kids got all got themselves ready. We were sitting in the car, and I said, okay, you fill it up, I'll go pay. So I went into paying Gordon, and Lauren said, I'll come in with you to get some water or whatever it was, nibbles it was. So we got into the, the garage, I paid up, I went back out, opened up the, the, the passenger door, I looked in and I went, what a tip, what have you done? I got in and sat down and I looked up and it wasn't Gordon. <laughs> I had got into the wrong car, but not only me, Lauren had got into the back seat and we both just went, I'm really sorry. <laughs> kind of got back out, got back in touch. Gordon said, what were you doing? I said, I got into the wrong car. He went, I know. I said, well, it's black. And he went, it's not even the Leica car. If you want to pay attention, focus. Does MG ever do these things? Do I have got so many stories I could tell you, but some of them are not really for stage, let me tell you. Some of them are not really for stage. She'll tell you one more of what I did. Will you forgive me for, for doing this? Should I tell this story? See if Gordon was here in the front row, he'd probably go, no, Fiona. Can I tell you what I did on that exact same day? Ooh. We flew down to London, we're meeting up with Gordon's niece and nephew who live in London. So we said, let's meet up, let's have something to eat and we'll get, catch up. So we were in, um, I can't remember, some railway station. And we're waiting and waiting for a while. I went, do you know what, I'm hungry again. I don't know about you, but I go from food to food to drink to coffee shop to food. Let's go for something to eat. I said, you know, look, we'll just get something from that shop that does double O in the middle and does three for two offers. I said, let's go there. Let's get something to eat. So the place is packed out. You know what London's like? It's flipping mobbed. So I'm grabbing myself a sandwich, got myself a drink, and your options are crisps, fruit, or peanuts, okay? So if it depends on whether you're in a healthy frame of mind or not. And I thought, do you know what? I, can't, I couldn't even see where they are. And I said, look, I'm just going to ask somebody. I went over to this guy. He went, excuse me, sir, can you show me the way to your nuts, please? And he just kind of looked at me and I went, <laughs> Meanwhile, my two girls are going, Mom, and I went, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I meant your peanuts. And I walked out, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And Gordon said, what have you done? I said, I told him what I did, and he went, you know what, Fiona, stay by my side and don't move. So on that note, Gordon's in the kids' work. <laughs> so he's not by my side, so. Isn't this just been a fabulous weekend in Dundee? Do you know, Dundee used to be known as Scumdee. We, people used to mock Dundee for its talents, its giftings, its people. And do you know, when I went off to uni, I remember going, where are you from? I'm from Dundee. <laughs> I can't fact you Dundee. And I'm like, yeah, I'm from Dundee. Like, what, what, like it? what about it? Like, you know. Do you know, we actually got an invitation to go to the opening on, on Friday. And I tell you, I was cock-a-hoop. I could not believe that, that my daughter had got two tickets to go to the opening of the V&A. And let me tell you, it is absolutely stunning. And did anybody get to go this weekend? It is absolutely incredible. Do you know that Dundee is the only city in all of Europe that has five major art centers in a mile's radius? I bet you didn't know this. Fiona facts. Okay, we have the DCA, the art school, Wasp Studios, Vic Manis, and now the Victoria and Albert Museum. Do you know, Dundee is a forward-thinking, world-leading city. We also, did you also know that it was the First computers were ever made here in Dundee, the Spectrum ZX. And during that at its peak, it was producing 
a computer every four seconds. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Do you realize where we are living? This is the city of God. What did Paul call it? He's out in the door. What's it we called it? The gift of God. This is our city, people. And you get to be a part of it. I actually think it's such an incredible place to be. When I went around town on Friday, I just felt the place was buzzing. It was just buzzing. I'm saying, God, you're doing something in the city. You're not only doing something in the natural, but you're doing something in the, in the spiritual. Do you not just feel it? Do you know when there's a guy here? You remember the Rev Des from the Alpha? We showed the video last Sunday. And he showed, he was actually t talking about the toilets being the best toilets in Scotland. Let me tell you, your reputation goes before you people. <laughs> that toilet up there and that toilet up there is exception to the rule. The toilets down there are absolutely fabulous. But if you have any finances you would like to give me my way and I would like to decorate these toilets for you to come into this church, would just be actually. Focus, Fiona, focus, Fiona, focus, Fiona. Anyway, Rev Des, I saw on social media that he was doing alpha training in all the three major cities. And I'm like, you wee cheeky bandit. And I called him up, went, Des, I said, what do you mean going through Dundee to get to another city? This is the place that's happening. Are you going to do some alpha training here in Dundee? And he went, yeah, he says, I can do that. Fantastic. So he brought a whole team with him and we had an incredible night here. In fact, he said this was the best attending alpha training that he's been in any other city. Not that I'm competitive or anything. Not that I'm competitive. No, no, no. Anyway, in this alpha, he had brought a team of people, people who had been doing the alpha courses. And they'd actually said, he had one girl come up and said, do you know, she said, because of a lady in your church, she says, I went to the head teacher of my school, and she says, and I asked that head teacher if I could run an alpha course in school, and she said, yes. Can I tell you, that was Mrs. Jane at the back there. People in this church, you are making a difference where you are by the decisions you make. Do you know, sometimes we can feel like I've got to keep shut my mouth. You see, when you go into a place, into, I mean, see, when I go into the office, the girls always go, oh, here's Fiona. They always know, because I'm loud. I'm like, hey! what's going on today I give Melissa chores to do and they're like if when you just go peace will return to this place when you go into a place okay you not all have to be quite as loud as what I do or as ridiculous as the things that I do but do people know who you represent when you go into your workplace or into where you're at be the salt and light in this city this place is a happening city and I'm so delighted that I get to be a part of it come on now do you know, I want to tell you a story of four ordinary guys. Four ordinary guys, if I can get my iPad to come up here. Four ordinary guys. They were actually called some men. Four ordinary guys, they weren't even given a name. They were just known in the Bible as some men. Now, I want you to know that I'm some woman. <laughs> and you're some man. Or you're some woman. Why do you tell the person beside you and say, you know what, you're actually sitting beside greatness today. <laughs> you're sitting beside greatness today. A week past Wednesday when I'd come into the office um, with all the headlines that I take the paper about the gate church doing this with the community fridge and some people, just some, just some people weren't too happy about what we were doing. And I knew when you go into the office and we have incredibly hard working people in the office. I know 
that people you don't see actually make this place happen. And we are so grateful to the staff we have in this church that do so much. And when they see me come into the office, they're a bit like, oh, here she comes with a list of jobs. They are incredible what they do. And so I'd gone in and said, God, I need a word for today because God's word is a light into your path and a light into your feet. If I got that the opposite way, light into your feet, lamp into your feet. lamp. You know what I'm talking about, right? And God gave me a word that morning. It was from Luke 5, and it said this. And this is a word for my season. It's a word for your season, and it's a word for the season of this church. It's from Luke 5, 17. They were filled with awe, verse 17, saying, we have seen incredible things happen today. Do you know, this is not just a word for today that we have seen incredible things happen, but we are seeing incredible things happening within our city, right? With all that's going on, world-leading science center, world-leading art center, world-leading video and gaming center. There's so much going on within this city. But you know what? Just as it's going on in the natural, I'm expecting to see things starting to happen in the supernatural. Elijah, when he looked out, he saw the size of a man's hand. You know, we're at the season where it's raining, but I'm believing that God is going to give us a season where it's complete downpour in this place. We are going to see the incredible, miraculous things happen, and it's going to happen through you. You guys make such an impact in who you get in touch with, who you speak to, who you're working beside, who you are makes an incredible impact as to what actually you bring because Jesus is in you. You have the light of Jesus within you. So I want to talk about this, this scripture. Okay, well, these some men. Okay, Luke 5, verse 17. Now, one of those days, while well, he, being Jesus, could you tell him to turn off that phone unless they want to listen to what I'm saying? Okay, while he was teaching, there was, a phar- there was Pharisees, all the religious people, and the teachers of the law sitting nearby, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, can I just stop right there? Because I want us to remind ourselves of that scripture that Paul wrote that said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So in other words, the power and the anointing that was upon Jesus to heal is also upon you to take out to pray for the sick. So then, here's my some men, here's my some men, here's just some men. Look, look at that, some men, some men. Just then, some men showed up carrying a paralyzed man in a stretcher. And they were trying, God likes a Holy Ghost trier, okay? They were trying to bring him in to a place before Jesus. But since they find no way in to carry him because of the crowd, gee, Jesus, you really want me to carry people? (laughs) There was no way in, there was no way in the front door, there was no way in the back door. So the only way is, the only way is, (laughs) how sad that you know that's the only way is <laughs> where's all the over 40 year olds do you remember Yaz <laughs> okay okay let's focus okay anyway they went up and on the roof they let him down on the stretcher through the roof tiles right in front of Jesus and when Jesus saw their faith Not the faith of the paralyzed guy, not the faith of the guys that were round about, but when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Now, just to give you a bit of background on this, the paralyzed people, the ones who were ill, were actually viewed in society at that time as, there must be something that you've done wrong. They actually thought that the people who were paralyzed or who were ill 
where actually it was the result of sin that they had done in their lives or the result of their parents' sin. So can I just say that I would probably be one of the paralyzed, nailed to the mat outside the city if it was based on my sin. And I think all of us could actually say the same thing. God, if my sin had the effect on my health, on, on my paralysis, I wouldn't be able to walk this day because it's only there but for the grace of God go I. Is that not true? So then the experts of the law and the Pharisees began to think to themselves in the Dundonian phrase, what's this? Who's this man? Who's uttering blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their hostile thoughts, you know, your thoughts are being read, people. When Jesus perceived their hostile thoughts, their stinking thinking, their questioning as to who does he think he is, their question is that, really, God? When Jesus could understand their thoughts, which is easier to say, he said, your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive the sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, stand up, take your stretcher, and go home immediately. Now, after they had rebuked 20 devils, spoken tongues, listened to the arguments, immediately he stood up. He picked up the stretcher he'd been lying on, and he went home. And he was glorifying God. Then, then the astonishment seized them all. And they were glorified. And they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen incredible things happen here today. Do you know what I love about this, this whole story? It's the some men that God used. It's only the some men. Do you may see Joe Fiona, I've heard this story over and over again. Well, you can only tune out of this talk if you can wear a t-shirt that says, seen it done it and seen all the incredible things happen and I'm a some man I want to have a t-shirt that says I'm some lady because I'm going to be part of the some men who actually take the people to Christ God is only looking for the some men the some ladies so he's not looking for you to have a degree in divinity he's not looking for you to actually have be brought up in the church he's just looking for those who have got a purpose and a call to actually go out and save the lost oh that would be all of you why because God says what is it in Matthew? The last bit? Go. You go. You go and get them. You go and disciple them. You go baptize them. Oh, Fiona, this is not such a nice word. Okay. So these guys, there's some man, there's some men, there's some lady, were the ones that grabbed a corner. Do you know what God is asking us to do? There was four of them. God is saying, find your tribe. Find your tribe. Find the ones who are going to actually be the one of your group who are going to actually go out there and take the people from, from the pit of hell. We want to plunder hell and we want to populate heaven. You see, when I say find your tribe, the people who you are with, the people who are in your small group, if it's people who are your friendship circle who are all believing in God, if, you're going, if you actually go down that line of being slightly spiritually paralyzed yourself, they're the ones that are sending the text, hey, what are you doing? What are you up to? How are you doing? Do you know when we've got our tribe round about us, we actually, we can help one another, but we can also help others. You see, two are better than one, because when one falls down, the other picks up. See, that's why when I'm sending out texts to some people, they're like, what's she asking that for? 
because I'm one of your some men. I'm one of your some people. And I want to make sure that you're being taken care of. I want to make sure that you're walking with God and that you're not going to go spiritually paralyzed. I think we can all go through our own seasons of being spiritually paralyzed when we're not too sure, God, what's going on? And it's those people who are around about us that go, hey, what's going on? Who are you drinking with? Are you out? Is there a man chasing you? Are you flirting? Because you're worth way more than that man's ever going to offer you. you know, I'm not saying that about every man. I'm just trying to say we need to realize our value in being part of a tribe. We need to realize our value that people look after each other, that we look after each other. And then he said, pick up a corner, grab a corner, find your tribe, grab a corner, and find your some men. Look around the people around about you. Are they your some men? Are they your some pals? Are they your some winners? Because you are a some man. Two are better than one. And you know, even Jesus and his some men, he didn't actually go out looking for the people who weren't actually accepted. He went looking for the people who would not, never naturally walk into a church or the synagogue in these days. He would always take his some men and he would go out and find the ones who would never, ever think of walking into a church. I want you guys to be the some men that go out looking for all those people who would never, ever naturally walk into a church. I want you to grab a corner. What does it mean to grab a corner? It means getting your people together and it means praying for them. It means taking your spiritual battle and your authority over, the, over that person's life, over their soul for Jesus. That is grabbing a corner. Do you know, apart from Jesus, these people will always be spiritually paralyzed. The perspective that they had was, if we don't go and get them, Nobody else will. Do you know, when, whenever we go abroad, I don't know about you, but whenever Gordon tries to communicate with people abroad, he's out, you'll, you'll probably, just don't tell him I told him the story, okay? Gordon has this way of communicating with people, with his arms, with his hands, speaking in a foreign accent while still talking English. <laughs> Does anybody else do that such thing? My granny used to do exactly the same thing. He'd also talk a little bit louder. But you know what? To his credit, he always gets us to where we need to go. He always finds us the things that we're looking for. He always gets us places. Why? Because he got, on, he got to the point where he wanted to communicate with people who didn't speak his language. Do you know, God's language for us to communicate with other people is actually using our arms, trying to communicate them, but it's also showing them the compassion that Christ showed people. So whenever you go up to Gordon after church and you go, uh, Gordon, no, won't go there. Okay, okay. I want you to see the story. Here's this house, completely overflowing with people. Do you know? I just want to stop right there, and I want you to see that this house here is completely overflowing with people. Do you know when you come to this church? I would really hope that you can never actually find a seat that you normally go to. Why? Because there's somebody else already sitting there. I would really hope that you can come around to the church and you go, Joe, there's no room at that church. I'll need to wait for the next service. Or if you're going to actually be, if you can't use the front door, then you'll find another way through the roof. But we actually just got a roof fix, so please don't. I want us to be a church that's so overflowing with people. A church that is looking with the eyes of Jesus, like with the eyes of compassion. Do you know, I'd also want us to be a church that you're here at least half an hour before church. Why? Because when people come in and the place like visitors come in and there's nobody else here to greet them. Do you know when I was at uni and I remember coming home one of the first few weeks I was up there and I was, I was so homesick. And I'd be on, and I had to be in the days where I had to stand in the queue to actually get to the telephone to, 
who's over, who's about my age, when you had to do that. You never had to have the mobile phone that you can contact home. You had to go stand in the queue, listen to their conversation, where they're trying not to greet to their parents. And then you got to the phone, you're I'm so, I want to come home. I remember getting on the bus. Dad said to me, just got on the bus, just come, just come home. So I went, I came home. Nobody was in. <laughs> I thought, I've come all this way home and nobody's actually here to welcome me home. Now, I know it wasn't actually deliberate, but you know what that's like when people come into this church. It takes so much guts to come in that door. And when they get in here and their people aren't here to say, hey, welcome. Joe, you know, I want us to have a culture where we just want to say welcome to one another. And see when you're in that toilet, give it a wee check and see if it's clean, will you? Because you know, there's nothing worse than going and going, that lobby's not very clean. Then you walk out. I want you to take the ownership and go, I'm going to clean it. If you can see it, deal with it, okay? If you can see it, deal with it. That's what I tell my girls. If you see it, deal with it. We want to be able to welcome people. Our choice is, though, are we going to be spiritually lying down with the, para the spiritually paralyzed people, or are we going to grab a corner? Are we going to go grab our tribe, and are we going to take those people to where Jesus is? Come on, people. The Pharisees, they were people who were pretty self-righteous, but Jesus always responded with grace to them. So let's get to Luke 5. Here's these guys. They've brought their friend because they know that this friend is going to meet with Jesus who will bring a freedom into his life. They didn't know exactly what Jesus would do, but they knew that Jesus would bring hope into their situation. So the first thing they were doing was they were intentional because they first of all needed to know where the paralysis guy was. We need to be intentional about looking about as to who needs to know who Jesus is. Have you ever held a baby, a young baby, or maybe a toddler size, and the baby's getting really quite heavy in your arms, and you're thinking, oh, I'm really enjoying this hold, but oh my goodness, this child is getting so heavy, and where's the mother, because I want to hand it, hand it back to the mother. Why do you think that mother is able to hold that baby on her hips, no problem at all, while having a conversation and having a cup of coffee at the same time? Can I tell you, as the child grew, her strength grew. As we carry those people who need to go to Jesus, our spiritual capacity, our spiritual strength grows with it. You may say, Fiona, you're asking me to go out there and actually see people get saved? Yeah, because you just need to start with the one. You see, I'm asking you to carry people and bring them into Jesus, but Fiona, I don't have the strength for that. I don't have the time for that. Do you know as we start with the one, your spiritual capacity will grow because Jesus has got a whole tribe out there waiting for you to bring them into his kingdom. Tell that person you're sitting beside a winner. Beside you, you're sitting beside a winner. I'm sitting beside a weather winner. So what does fighting through a, church, a, a crowd look like? Because these people, these four some men, took a corner, and then they got to the church, then they got to the house, and they had to fight through a crowd. What does fighting through a crowd actually look like? Frightened through a crowd is meaning you're carrying other people's burdens. It means you're praying for those people. This is fighting through a crowd. And believe me, fighting through a crowd can get you hurt. It's getting together. It's challenging our buddies. Keep walking with God. Keep being righteous. Keep, keep doing what you know God wants you to do. Don't walk away from your calling. Don't walk away when you know things have broken down. That is fighting through a crowd for our people. Fighting through a crowd for those who do not yet know. It's taking a meal. It's, it's looking after folk. Do you know, since I've started every morning saying, 
I'm going to see remarkable things, incredible things happen today. I can honestly see every day there's just been things that have happened. It's just been absolutely incredible. I just say thank you, God, and been St. McGill's. Expect incredible things to happen today, girls, because that's what Luke 5 tells me to do. <laughs> I'm expecting it. I'm going to see the incredible things happen. You see, I take the word of God literally. If God says it, I believe it. And I put it into action in my life. You see, if you've got a situation in your life, God, I don't really know what to do. That's okay. God does. I'm going to trust him. He's going to fight my battles. That's what Paul said. Or was that what Sai said? I'm going, to tr I'm going to trust God. You see, I live in the city of God. <laughs> you see, God is within me, in me. What's that Proverbs that says, God is within her and she will not fail? <laughs> God is within the city. Another version says that God is within the city and they will not be destroyed. God is in this city. God is in you and you will not fail. So how's your crowd fighting techniques? How's your crowd fighting techniques? Just crowd pushers? Because that's what you are, you're crowd pushers. You've got to remember to develop your focus on the why. Why are we doing this? Why? What's the point now? I could be a pretty good crowd fighter. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. But I've got to understand why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I recognize that the truth, the way, and the life is Jesus. I'm recognizing that their eternal life is the whole reason why God sent his son for you. Somebody fought on your behalf, you know. Somebody fought on your behalf. It may have been your mother's praying for you. It may have been your friend, but somebody fought on your behalf. Now we're going to fight on behalf of others. Let's get creative. I mean, who would have thought, now if you had gone to that place with your buddy in a stretcher, paralyzed, and there was a crowd, what, what would you do? Oh, guys, let's, let's come back another day. Eh? <laughs> I don't want to fight through that crowd. Who would have thought to go up on the roof to take the roof out? Who would have thought, I mean, really? Apart from the, the bare grills of this place, who would have, whoever would have thought, I'm going to go down through the roof? I mean, I could just see it in the papers now. If you think we got headlines last week, I reckon the headline of this one would be, Roof Used as Disabled Access. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Do you know what? Here was a man, set the scene, Jesus is preaching, in the midst of a home that's completely packed out. People are fighting for space. It's probably sweating, it's sweaty in there. It'll be smelly. And Jesus is preaching the word. Now, just before Jesus had got to this place, he'd already healed. His reputation went before him. He'd already healed a man with leprosy. He'd already told a bunch of guys who were fishermen, hey, go back out to where you failed while you were fishing. Go back out to that exact same place. Just put your nets on the other side and you'll pull, pull in a cropper. Do you know what? The things that Jesus was saying did not make sense at all. But here was Jesus and a crowd of people round about him. Why? Because his reputation went before him. And as the crowd started to hear hammering... I mean, you could just imagine the things you'd be looking up. What's got, there'd be crumbling bits of clay coming down. There'd be bits of dust. There'd be falling bits of whatever they made the roof off. It'd be falling round about them. And they're looking at Jesus going, do you see that? You're going to, and he's still talking because Jesus knew what was going to happen. You see, sometimes there's an absolute mess round about us, but Jesus is still in the center. Can I tell you, sometimes ministry can feel like a mess. Working with people can feel like a mess. What's going on around about me can feel like a mess. So here they are, they're forming a hole. They're bringing a hole into this room. It's getting bigger and bigger. And they're actually must, what the heck is going on here? Do you know what God was doing here? It was an intrusion. 
into their lives to make a way for the miracle God Jesus was about to perform. What intrusion is going on around about your life just now? There's things that can happen. God, I don't have time to do my thesis. There's children are falling apart or I'm having a breakdown here. Things are just not going quite to, to plan. There seems to be an absolute mess and it feels like I'm being intrusive. People are intruding on my time. Do you know what? We need to allow intrusions into our life because God is making a way to get to you. I know God is making a way to get to you. Don't rebuke what the, you think the enemy is doing round about you. Things might be falling apart, but we always have to remember God is in control. God is in control. Allow the intrusions to happen. So here's this house. Now, theologians believe that this was Peter's house. Excuse me, I need to take a drink. Peter, the swearing man. Peter, the man who would take your ear off of you as soon as you cross his buddy's path. Peter, the man who walked on water. The annoying one, the annoying disciple. Peter, the man who was at the transfiguration, who saw all these things and Jesus said, now don't tell them. I could just imagine him going up to his, his buddies going, I'm not allowed to tell you, I just saw something really incredible happen. Jesus, and it happened in his house. So here is this. We need to take people to Jesus. To take people to Jesus, we need to start doing things that you don't normally do. You see, we need to find a way that we can enter into people's lives. Joe, you know, this week, um, a couple who, a guy who Gordon was at school with has come back into Dundee and he's, he called us and he said, hey, do you guys want to go out for a meal? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going out for a meal. You're paying, superb. So we went out for a meal. And all the time I'm praying, God, give me an opportunity because no, they don't walk with God. God, give me an opportunity. Just give me one thing to talk about where I can bring in your truth, where I can bring in your freedom and I can talk about Jesus. Now, the new we were pastors. So it's that kind of, conversation where you skirt around and I'm going, God, give me, give me a way in, give me a way in. And so we were back at their house because they said, so we could say goodnight. And I'm like, no, now's not the time for goodnight. I still haven't got to talk about Jesus yet. I still want to bring it in. So we went back to the house and said, do you want a drink? Because they're good drinkers. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a drink. And she said, I have to drink because I don't sleep very well. Yeah, dancer. Oh, do you not sleep very well? How come? She's only sleep for an hour and a half, maybe two hours a night. He went, really? I said, would you like me to pray for that? She can give me that look of pray, pray. I said, do you know what? I believe that God can give you a full night's sleep. I said, do you want? Let's pray for it. So she said, right, okay, right, okay. So she's, you know, when you do it awkward, do I pray, do I stand? What to do? Just shut my eyes. And I said, do you know what? Let's just talk to God. I said, God, I believe that this woman will have a full night's sleep in the name of Jesus. And I said, and I want you to text me in the morning and you tell me if you've got a full night's sleep. So, of course, I've, I'm woken up in the morning. I'm like, on the phone, did you, did you sleep good? How was your sleep? And she said, yeah, I slept four and a half hours. She said, that's more than what I've slept in years. And I said, great, we're going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on praying. Do you know what? Take your opportunity to grab a corner, whatever your corner looks like. Grab your corner. And before you go anywhere, you ask God, God, give me an inroad into their lives because they need you desperately. They need you. They need the truth of who Jesus is. So, I'm still texting every day, how's your sleep going? It's going up and up. We haven't got a full night's sleep, but I'm believing for it. So here's my next point here. Don't see the roof as a truth as to where you need to stop. I know that if I had gone towards that, that, that house, I saw the crowd there, it probably would have never have crossed my mind to take a, put a hole in the roof. I believe that was a God moment right there. We need to stop seeing roofs, roofs as truths 